This podcast contains coarse language, adult themes, and spoilers. My name's Peach, and for the past couple of years, I've been helping my friend Shag overcome his childhood aversions to everyday foods in the podcast Fussy Eater. Now it's his turn to help me conquer my phobia of scary movies over one spooky night in the FBI studios, one Wikipedia synopsis at a time. This is Spooko. Parenting is hard, but you and I are very good at it. Uh, Hooray for us. One of my various triumphs is figuring out what to listen to in the car trip to school. Because often you leave the house of like, fucking get in the, like, oh, we've got to go. We're running late. Go, go. And so you get into, you, you know, a situation with heaps of variables, who's ready and in what way are they ready, into a situation with almost zero variables except traffic, right? So you just want to bring the bring the anxiety levels down. So what do you listen to? And one of the things we're listening to is podcasts. And one of these podcasts is called Strong Songs, which, Shag, I expect you've listened to at some stage. And it picks apart songs. And we're listening to the one about the cars, just what I needed right now. And Shag, you know this better than I do, but the cars, like lead singer or whoever, produced Weezer's The Blue Album. And I'm not sure if you've heard, and you can edit this in or edit this out or edit in the actual uh, guitar solo, which I give 10 out of 10 for. <laughs> so if you think of just, just, just what I needed, that solo, that's like, so pause, pause, right? So now tell me what is the guitar solo from the Weezer song I give 10 out of 10, Say It Ain't So. Ah. In any case, um, I now can't tell them apart and I'm just in this really weird situation where like, the kids will sing just what I needed in the car and I'll be like, oh, here it comes. And it edges into a Weezer song. And, Shaq, that's just my way of celebrating whatever episode number it is we're on. Is it 149? Peach, one of the things I enjoy mm. about you mm. is that you approach everything with an innocence that's not childlike, but an innocence of someone who is innocent enough to not understand things, but old and grizzled enough to be over things. So <laughs> the best of both worlds. You, you immediately see through bullshit. So I think of all people, you would be mm. someone who agrees and understands that most milestones are kind of arbitrary, right? Oh, like, so for example, Mm. We, we can mark a relationship by a first date or a marriage, but how does that really encapsulate the weird cluster of feelings that two people have for each other? Ah, oh, Shag, tell them. Let them hear it. Tell them. Preach. Birthdays. Birthdays. Yes, everyone's born, you know, at, at, at the moment where they exit the womb. But, you know, if, I'm, if I was born a month premature or if I was born two days late, somehow we're the same age? That doesn't make any sense. How is that marked? Look, Father's Day in our house, like, both my dad and I are like, oh, fucking, this is a bit of a dumb joke, and it's pretty awkward that people celebrate this. <laughs> like, 
you know, these arbitrary days. Shag, I get it. I'm with you on that. Look, to be honest, Father's Day is one I love. Now that I'm a dad, I'm like, fucking bring on Father's Day. The best thing in the world. <laughs> well, actually, this is an important I one. I deserve yeah, this so day. Actually- it's like I get two birthdays. It's the best. Everyone <laughs> become a parent for that reason. You get a second birthday. But, okay. So, for, for that reason, mm. it, it, it 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 would make just as much sense for us to celebrate episode 149 as we had last week as yes. it would be to celebrate episode 150. But if we Or to are... make more sense if we're really pushing <laughs> pushing back against the <laughs> Right, because humans just like neat symmetrical numbers for some reason. I'm sure there's a reason. I don't quite understand it, but we just do, right? Mm. But with that in mind, if we are going to celebrate episode 150, which today mm. is, but it isn't even really because we have all those intermissions, which kind of are... I'm with you. I'm with you. But if we do celebrate, mm. I, I, I think any milestone like this, to use it well, is a good time to sort of check in on the mission, see how things are going. Uh, yes, I agree. And Shag, I, I'm pleased you touched on this because there was one other topic I wanted to sort of rub along with you on uh, today, if that's all right. You've sort of raised that this podcast has gone from very unsuccessful to moderately successful and now is in reasonably moderately successful territory. And I thought now would be a pretty good time to really sort of sell out and just sort of of cash our chips and turn the content of Spooko into real um, irritation marketing. You know those people who like connect with you on LinkedIn and like, G'day, Shag, tell me more about your SEO needs. And it's like champion um, <laughs> thanks for the unsolicited message, but you can you can probably take it as read that I've got my SEO in hand. And I just sort of thought, Shag, that we should just have 10 seconds of silence for everyone to go follow us on TikTok because I just feel like fucking you and I put blood, sweat and tears in there, me maybe marginally more than you, and it's a fucking great page and like 12 people follow it. It's been a year and a half of the Spooko TikTok page. And I think everyone should sit there in 10 seconds of silence as punishment slash celebration for not following us on TikTok. Are you going to edit in 10 seconds? Well, no, no, I will. But, start now? but, but, but silence sounds terrible and it's, mm. it's death for radio or podcasts, you know, Ooh, for longer shit. than a couple of seconds. So you probably heard like a ticking clock or something. (laughs) Actually, that's a really good Or maybe layer them on top of each other and you hear that the first bit sounds. Whatever we played, we just played. Anyway, okay. (laughs) That is so true. So so as usual, it's a bit of a Mm. roller coaster getting to today's film. It's going to be a massive tonal shift when I explain why we're doing today's film. So I think I might introduce today's film first. We'll have the trailer as a bit of a breather. Then I'm going to come out the gate at the end of this and I'm going to explain why we're choosing the 2007 new French extremity adjacent film Inside for our 150th episode. (laughs) Inside 2007, let's go. Sometimes I I I get a little I get a little bit uh, 
I get a little bit weirded out about doing a regular podcast like this that 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 people listen to that is mm. you know is, is us chatting and mm. is often the only chance we get to talk you know once a week and is this uh, an intervention show are you going to no. tell me some time oh god oh god peach, peach. no 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 i promise you i promise you this is all about me i promise you i promise you the intervention is coming but not this episode so i i sometimes worry about mm. everything sort of becomes content if that makes sense like everything happens yes. in your life and all of a sudden it's like oh this could be content it's like hang on i can just sort of live my life so something happened to me a couple of weeks ago and we then recorded an episode and i didn't say anything about it uh, to be honest i haven't told that many people because because it was it, it was a little strange but i'm going to tell you now cuz everything sort of came together for this episode so this is this is actually true peach i haven't told you this and if you're listening to this right now being like this is a bit it's not so i was in like a pretty major car accident a couple of weeks ago i was I was I was on I was on my way to work. There's a really busy intersection at the top of my street. It's always busy in the morning. You've got to kind of pick your gap. Thought I had a gap, didn't. And what happened was like the proper car crash experience, right? Like just slammed by a car oh, going, you know, 60 kilometers an hour. I think that's like 20 miles. I don't even know how <laughs> miles work, but it's like 35 or 40. It's like four, yeah, maybe 40 miles an hour. Anyway, so mm. properly slammed. The feeling of momentum and force was like incredibly extreme, but luckily both airbags went off in my car. I don't know if this is true because I was chatting to the tow truck people afterwards that airbags, or at least the airbags in my car, go off with gunpowder. So within my car, there was this, there were these two airbags. They just explode out of the steering wheel. So the steering wheel's half hanging off. These two airbags are there. I've got these massive marks on my arm from where I'm like clinging the steering wheel from where it's like somehow it pushed me into the steering wheel. There's just this smell of gunpowder in the, the air. And it was this, it was this incredibly strange and weird moment. And one of the things that, like hit me at that moment because I, I probably I probably stayed in that car for for a couple of minutes in that exact position, right? Like you don't really know what's happened, like you don't understand it, and everything feels quite silent. And I got out of the car because I, I you know, it was it was essentially uh, close to a head-on collision between two cars, and I got out of the car. We both our cars were completely written off. Both of our cars can never be driven again. I spoke to the other driver and I sort of said, Are you so okay? what the fuck were you doing? Yeah, well, no, okay. no, no, look, look. And, and she was like, oh, I, I'm okay. I was worried you weren't okay because you weren't moving. And I'd been still in this car for a couple of minutes, just like completely confused as to what had happened. Everything felt really still. And it, it made me realize, right? It made me realize that that thing they do in films and TV shows when they do a car crash, where it's like everything's not, there's usually a song on the radio, like everything's normal, mm. boop, 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 we're talking, and then mid-conversation, mid-lyric, mid-whatever, the, the, the impact happens, things go silent, things go in slow motion, and then everything feels really still. And I'm like, fuck, like, 
we pay out films, but they get it. <laughs> like they they get it a hundred percent. Anyway, so I felt really weird and like a little. What bit, did you do on the day? What was your next hour? Well, I, I, to be honest, I felt pretty ashamed. I felt wow. pretty like bad. I felt like I Gosh, needed to punish myself, but I also couldn't do work. I couldn't even think about work. I was on my way to work, and I had to call my boss and just be like. And I was just in this weird mood. I was like, "Hey, I, I was I was in a car accident, and I don't think I can come in. Like, I was on my way in, but I I don't think I can come in. And luckily, I have an amazing boss." And he's like, "Yeah, totally, of course." But in the next couple of days, I hadn't picked a film for Spooko, and I sort of was like thinking about those car crash scenes. I was like, "I want to find a horror film that Whoa. starts with a car crash," and and so I found one. And then, and then I decided not to do it for a couple of weeks because I was like, fuck, like everything doesn't have to be content. I can just like sit on this for a while, but I wanted to do it. And here's why I wanted to do it for the 150th episode. Okay. So, so I know this is like a really incredible no, time. No, shift, no, but no. I, I was, I was, I, I have been pretty shaken up by this and this is on top of other things happening. So I went back to see the person I see to talk about things like this. And mm. I haven't seen them in a while, but I decided to go back. And we talked about things, but we talked about this and how I didn't really know how I felt about it, but I just felt weird and it had been affecting me. And they were saying that things like this can fuck with your self-beliefs. You know, and there's, yeah. there's, like, you, like I, what I really like about this person I see is they're super pragmatic. And, you know, when I had my first meeting with them, they were basically like, look, I'm the person who will give you tools to overcome stresses and things that are adversely affecting you in your life that's what i do if that's what you're interested and i'm like yeah that's that's what i wanted right and so when we were talking about this we were booking our next appointment and they were like i know this is this is going to be weird but we're going to have to do some mild exposure work (gasps) next month to take you back to the car crash because you can't feel anxious every time you get in the car. And if you don't confront it, every time you get in the car, that anxiety is going to get worse. So going back to our check-in for our 150th episode, I was like, you know, when we started this podcast, like you are extremely funny off the dome, but this was never started as a comedy podcast. Like going back to Fussy Eater, we are all about getting over these aversions. Mm. And Fussy Eater was important for me because I leave that unchecked and that aversion to foods that most other people like is going to have ripple effects in my life and, you know, the life around me. Now, I'm Mm. not saying it's the same for you in horror movies, but the point is if you leave irrational aversion or fear unchecked, it grows. It doesn't just stay the same. It grows. So so I'm like, so instead of the usual, when we usually do a check-in, we're like, oh, Pooch. Do you love horror movies? And you're like, yeah, yeah, I'm getting better. And it's like, that's fine. But actually, this mission is super important, not just for you, but for anyone listening who is on the same journey as you. So I think it's really important that we keep going with this mission to push through these aversions. Fuck, I feel like I've just spoken for like 10 minutes. What says you, Pitch? I don't know what exposure therapy is. I just <laughs> heard the phrase and I'm like, yeah, I pretty much get it. Like, <laughs> it's, it's therapy. We expose people to shit. That's fine. 
So, uh, look, I'm with you. It's funny we talk about it. Look, it's funny to talk about serious subjects on like a mental health, you know, tip at the moment because like shame is my look. If it's not, if it's not like obvious, it's like <laughs> just like just like a whisper below the surface of every single <laughs> thing I do. So, like hearing that, I'm like, I can't fucking believe I haven't actually even watched one horror movie. Oh, my <laughs> fucking god! <laughs> so it's like it's on the edge. So I'm down to feel bad for not having seen one, but I'm also down to just be like, man, fuck it, I'm doing my best. Like uh, I needed to watch all those old cricket matches that I've seen a few a few times before <laughs> first in order to build up to a horror movie. But Shaq, I'm so sorry that happened, and I'm so proud of you for, you know, being proactive. That's something you can allow to destabilize yourself, and that's your business. But it's something that can destabilize the lives of the people around you. And the fact you're taking the courageous step, it's that's really cool, and I really applaud you. And I should probably watch a horror movie pretty soon rather than half writing, trying to come up with ideas for them, not having it. I feel like that is your way to... <laughs> Not watch a horror film is to be yeah. like, I'll just write one first. But <laughs> but look, okay, okay. Number one, that's very fair. Number one, shout out to Adele for mm, everything for, for for helping me go see someone. If there is someone mm. in your life who's telling you yeah. you should go see someone, listen to them because it's it's never a bad vibe. It's always good to just oh, talk to it. people about stuff. But number two, Pete, you're absolutely right. I am not a doctor. Like, this is not <laughs> clinical exposure therapy. And the thing is, my person doesn't even use the word exposure therapy. They just call mm. it some light exposure work. Yeah. And I think that's probably closer to what we do on this podcast. I, I think what I do know about it is it always needs to be in a safe space, which hopefully this podcast mm. is for you, Peach. Um, yeah, look, just so, like if you want to end on a lighthearted therapy anecdote, um, <laughs> I, I recently had to upgrade my therapist to someone marginally more intense. So like like we're sort of getting into it. And she's like, next time you come in, I'm not going to let you look at a clock. And I'm going to ask you to give me your watch and your phone. And I was like, um, <laughs> nah, that's okay. <laughs> And she's like, well, like, what is it about time? And I'm like, oh, like, it just, it just feels, it just feels rude and cruel to like people, like there are going to be people out there waiting. And it's like, oh, like, yeah, who are, do you know them? Like, do you know there are people <laughs> out there waiting? Do you know that I'd take less satisfaction from my job by getting out on time or to actually helping someone? Yeah. Like, so are you just guessing? And then she then like, so we're talking about life and, you know, work and stuff. And she's like. So is it bad to feel proud? Is that just a bad emotion that you shouldn't feel? And I was like, oh, yeah, it's pretty bad. <laughs> and that's how it ended up. That I'm not going to be allowed to bring my watch or my phone or to see a clock next time. And it fills me with anxiety. And I also have to learn how to be proud of stuff, which is going to be fun. <laughs> so let's go inside, Shag. All right. Okay. All right. Okay. Stuff. All right. Okay. So. Sick. Inside from 2007. As I mm. said before, it's new French extremity adjacent because yep. that was it was never like a movement made by the artists. It was named by journalists and it sort of ended before this time. But because this is a very brutal French horror film, you mm. kind of can't not put it in, in the same place. And, and I, I guess what I, what I also, you know, after the experience and thinking about mortality and things like that and mm. how, like, you're, you're actually just never safe. You're just never safe. We're like, oh, like, this is all I can cross the road. I can drive <laughs> a car. I can get on a plane. It's like, you are never safe. You know what no. I mean? It's like, 
I kind of love that these brutal French films are basically about how all life is a struggle and all life is violence and we are blood machines and it, it's that thing that horror does where weirdly that makes me appreciate life yeah. rather than spook me out too much. Anyway. Seize the day. Let's hit it. It's that. That's, that's okay. why I should watch these fucking movies. <laughs> <laughs> this maybe is not the one to start with. This, okay. This was actually so much more brutal than I thought it could possibly be. Yeah. So, okay. So on Christmas Eve, and in fact, give me one second. Please say as much of this one in French as possible. Okay. So. This film starts with a car crash. And like I said, it's basically like a still image in that the camera is Ooh. tracking up into the car, but everybody is by themselves. And there is a woman in the car with her husband. Her husband, She is pregnant. Her husband is, is clearly dead. There's a lot of blood. It's what we talked about last episode, gore shadowing. From the beginning, I've seen a lot of car crashes in in film. They almost mm. never show much blood, really. And if they do, it might be like a, an impact wound or the head or something. But both of them are vomiting blood. He's clearly dead. There's just it's just all over the car and their bodies mm. and the the jagged things of glass. Right. We begin there, and then not to like lighten the mood but that's completely fucking impossible <laughs> like the like cars have not had glass that does that for maybe 40 years <laughs> so if it's like a, maybe a 25 year old car there's a tiny chance that it could happen but it's basically impossible and also i was literally just in a car crash at a pretty high velocity and both airbags went off and i walked away so then we have the credits and Again, that gore shadowing, but kind of what I said before, mm. it's all sort of, I guess it's, it's a mix of ultrasound imagery and imagery of, I guess, what the inside of a body that's growing a baby might look like. And it's very bloody. It's very visceral. It kind of looks like a Nine Inch Nails film clip from the 90s <laughs> or something, right? Or a Metallica's album cover for Load or whatever. Yeah, right? And it, it, it's kind of weird that it's like, most movies, or I would say the majority of movies, don't have like a intro sequence where it's like da 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 da. It's inside. What's gonna happen? <laughs> da, da, you know what I mean? And it's like yeah, they actually have this by. intro sequence where they have the credits over this sequence of just bodily. It's like a James Bond film. Yeah, I get it. Basically, yeah, right. <laughs> Sick. Anyway, so Shirley on... Bassey, bitch inside. Yeah, sick. Okay, so on Christmas Eve. Four months after expectant mother Sarah Scarangela survives a car crash that kills her husband, she makes final preparations for a delivery the following day. Her baby is overdue. Still reeling from her husband's death, Sarah has grown moody and depressed. Fuck, that's a little bit judgy. Like, <laughs> fucking still fucking moody. <laughs> Now she's getting depressed. Actually, yeah, you lose your partner four months before your baby's born and someone calls you moody. Yeah, I'm like, ugh, fucking Scarlet. <laughs> Pick a mood. As she leaves the hospital, a nurse very portentously says, enjoy your last night of peace and quiet. Yeah, I hope it's not too gore-boning. She also turns down her mother's request to stay with her for the night and has asked her employer, Jean-Pierre, to take her to the hospital for eventual delivery. 
Is she still at work up to the day of the cesarean for this unborn child? Um, no, no, she's going... Sorry, sorry, no, no. Well, yeah, I guess maybe. Fuck, so she's back at... Husband's dead, nine and a bit months pregnant. She's she's at work. All right. Uh, I don't know what labour laws are like in France. Sheryl Sandberg was like, like, I believe in choice. You can take three years off, three months <laughs> off, three weeks off. Three days off, or as I did, three hours off. And someone <laughs> brought me my Blackberry so I could fucking get back to work and take a work work, Cheryl. <laughs> Striking a blow. So she leaves the hospital. She turns down her mother's offer for offer. help. Yeah. She asks her boss to take her to the hospital when it's due. Mm. She watches and takes photos of happy parents with disdain, setting her up that she's like a photographer of some kind. I don't know if it's her like full job, but. It's definitely part of her life because... Dead husband, currently employed, moody, mourning, heavily pregnant. She's got a lot on her plate. <laughs> she does. She does. Um, but, but the photographer thing's important because she has a dark room at her house. So yes. she's, she, it's not like, like... It's probably her job. Uh, to be honest, I can't quite remember her employment. I'm assuming she is a photographer in Great. her role. That night, she imagines her husband with her in the dark room, sort of almost in like a ghost scene, sort of wrapping his arms around her before realising he's gone and then having this vision of the car crash again and then imagines herself lying on the ground, vomiting milk out of her mouth before a 2007 CGI baby crawls out of her mouth into the camera and then cuts to her waking up and there's someone at the door. Can I just get sidetracked for a sec? What do you think of seeing people's dreams in fiction just generally? <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking about this recently and I was like, that's like fucking dumb. Like that's deeply irrelevant. Like there's nothing less, re- like it's like this is irrelevant. Well, I mean, Peach, I know you don't do criminal law, mm. but I imagine. Yes. If someone had a dream of something, mm. you couldn't use that as evidence against them. Like if I had a dream of killing someone Shag. and yeah. there was a murder and it's like, well, Shag just dreamed of murdering someone, you couldn't use that against me. Well, it, but I must, <laughs> there is a threshold you need to get to before that if you have to prove I had that dream. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and that's a, that's a pretty interesting, <laughs> that's a pretty interesting scenario to find yourself in as well. Like, <laughs> But as well, like, even if you dream something that's very similar to the plot of the film or, like, generally relating to the themes of the film, it's like, well, what the fuck did we see that for? Like, I feel like it's like a filmmaker's shorthand to try to get some thematic stuff or some spooky stuff in there when they can't actually make it fit in the story, and that's dumb. I'm here to, I, I'm, throwing, I'm throwing down a gauntlet to say boo to dream. So that evening, a mysterious, unidentified woman arrives at Sarah's door, asking you to use the telephone to call for help. It's 2007. The iPhone, like Steve Jobs has given <laughs> oh, for help. Sorry, sorry. Sarah lies that her husband is sleeping and she does not want to be disturbed, but the woman tells her that she knows that he is dead. Sarah then asks, who are you? And this unidentified woman says, Open the door and you'll know. Uh, Which is pretty fucking spooky, yeah, right? this is freaking me out hugely. When the visitor persists on coming in, oh, here it is. It's in the Wikipedia. Sarah, 
a professional photographer, you probably should have, like, look, you, you are doing this for free. There's many of you. I can't deny it. But just a helpful hint, bring the vocation in earlier. Yeah. And if you're introducing a character, put the introductory facts the first time you meet the character. <laughs> <laughs> or at least their employer, the first time you meet the fucking It would employer. be like if we got halfway through an episode and I'm like, oh, by the way, this is Peach, my co-host. <laughs> he doesn't like, like horror films. Horror films. <laughs> <laughs> but look, they are doing this for free. All power to you. Thank you. Thank you for creating this Wikipedia synopsis. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure that excuses you from criticism, right? Like, you know, freedom of expression, people who talk about it, like, it, you know, the right to free speech. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not particularly in favor of a right to free speech. I'm like, the only speech I'm happy with is speech of some value that like progresses things. And it's like, if you're just <laughs> taking too long to tell me someone's career, then you've forfeited your right to free speech. And I'm very happy to. Very happy to silence anyone who's too slow to tell me the careers of people in a horror film. Tell me them, tell me them faster. Okay. So anyway, so when mm. the visitor persists on coming in, Sarah, mm. a professional photographer, thanks Wikipedia, mm. attempts to take her photo through a window and then telephones the police. When they arrive, the woman has already vanished. The police assure Sarah that she will be fine, arranging to have a patrol car visit throughout the night. Now, when I was watching this film... A thought dawned on me because we often talk about horror movie logic where people do dumb things that put themselves the in danger, victim right? blaming right? scenario. Yeah, yeah. And like, I think the term actually should be horror movie hindsight because, yes, like, again, well again, and I don't want to bring everything back to this car crash, but it's like I didn't know I was going to have a car crash till it happened, right? And mm. when it happened, I'm like, oh, fuck, you are never safe, right? And now, whenever I get behind the wheel, I am anxious as hell because I'm like, this could happen at any moment. Yeah. And, oh, and so here it's like, you let the killer in, oh, that's so dumb, or, or whatever. And it's like, you didn't know it was a killer. Well, well I mean, this, this strange person comes to the door. You yeah. don't know that they are a vicious killer. Like, yes, they said them spooky things, but you did the right things. You called the police. And if the police are like, look, we'll come check on you, that makes you feel okay. So, yep. so I guess the thing is, it's like, at first I was like, what the fuck are you doing? You're, it's Christmas Eve. No one's around. You're alone by yourself in this apartment. This person's outside wanting to kill you. But she doesn't know that. She doesn't know who this person is. Yep, agreed, Shag. I'm with you. All right, okay. So Justice for Scarlet. Her name's Sarah. Sarah, fuck. I think it's the third time called Scarlet. <laughs> <laughs> I know, and I was like, do I correct? But then I was like, fuck, I'll just correct. I'll just do it. Luckily, she's a fictional character. So <laughs> she's, she's not going to catch feelings. And a professional photographer. And a professional photographer. <laughs> okay. Now, we know she's a professional photographer. We've already seen her in the darkroom once. She's in there again. She's mm. developing the photos. Sarah recognizes the woman in the background of an earlier photo she had taken, indicating she's been stalking Sarah. Would you recognize a person you don't know from the background of another photo? <laughs> I, th- I think yeah, the answer to that is no. Actually, no, return- Peach, Peach, Peach. <laughs> yes. She's a professional photographer, right? Like, would you recognize a abstract law decision <laughs> in another Decision by a judge. You would. Of Check course you would. Check my You've got me. It's all about empathizing. All right, I'm, okay. I'm impressed that a professional photographer has such a great maternity leave policy that her employer is <laughs> like, yeah, man, let me drive you to the hospital. <laughs> it's very forward thinking. It's good. Anyway, as she goes to bed, 
the woman enters the home. Now, Sarah goes to sleep. So this woman just calmly enters the home. She goes to sleep. That bedroom's upstairs. This woman is downstairs. She enters the house, goes into the kitchen, finds the biggest pair of scissors I've ever seen in my life. Mm. Walks upstairs to sleeping Sarah. If you were going to go to someone's house to kill them, would you not take the weapon with you? Like, would you not be better prepared? Than, like, That's actually a really good point. That is a hugely good point. That is There's some horror hindsight from your boy Peach. And, I mean, if that? you've been stalking them for a while, this wasn't like a crime of opportunity. I must say, though, when we get back to shame, I'm like, I can imagine being like, oh, fucking good one, Peach. You showed up without a murder weapon. <laughs> that would be my internal <laughs> Okay, so, 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 this episode's mm. all been about tonal shifts. <laughs> Let's do it. I feel this like is, there's a gag is, coming up. This is, this is brutal French horror. So, Sarah awakens to find the woman puncturing her belly with the scissors. She slashes part of Sarah's face as she fights the visitor off and locks herself in the bathroom where the woman violently tries to gain entry. The woman makes clear that her intentions are to take Sarah's child for herself. I, I like, just a utterly, like, for some reason, like, after knowing what I know about, like, violent French films, I'm like, this is the most French construct ever. But, like, just utterly awful, right? Like, yes. this is what Inside is about. Anyway, so Jean-Pierre arrives. What's he doing back there? He's like, now, <laughs> have a great time on your mat leave. You know, take some time with your family. So... So, yes, Jean-Pierre arrives and not knowing what Sarah's mother looks like takes the woman's word that she is the mother. Meanwhile, Sarah's upstairs, too scared to say anything or listen to anything, so she's just silent and basically, like, utterly in despair, as you would be. Mm. Not long after, her actual mother... I did have horror hindsight of, like, no way, man, I'd break out of there and I'd, like, get the heaviest rock and throw it at the... Yeah, okay. Right, right. So not long after, her actual mother, Louise, arrives, arousing Jean-Pierre's suspicion. Louise heads upstairs to check on her daughter. Believing her to be the attacker, Sarah accidentally kills Louise by stabbing a needle into her neck. So okay. Louise, Louise, is like, and Louise is like, I'm coming in to help, opens the door. Sarah's been ready with a sewing needle she found in the bathroom cabinet and just immediately stabs it into the mum's neck, who falls down dead. So Sarah has now just killed her mother. This is a pretty brutal French extremity fucking brute wave cinema. Jean-Pierre is later stabbed to death by the intruder. I'm pretty sure he gets stabbed in the crotch first, but still manages to crawl away. So the intruder finishes him by putting a pillow over his face and just stabbing his head multiple times with the scissors. Hmm. Through the pillow. Through the pillow. Mm. weirdly they don't show that because usually this whole film so far they've shown everything they have made it very clear that they are not going to cut away from the gore that's a moment when they do but i guess that idea of just being stabbed through the face with a pillow as as a buffer is still pretty awful my internal monologue is still on stan winston the practical effects supervisor being like oh fucking good work peach you forgot the head of that. <laughs> stabbed today. 
the fuck are we going to do? Star stabbing <laughs> through a pillow. Oh, awesome. Great contribution to the film. Yeah, fucking pillow stabbing. <laughs> so, 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 so. Uh, and I appreciate your levity, Peach. It's your boy. The police arrived to check up on her with a prisoner in tow. Not knowing that Sarah... <laughs> This is the worst police officer. Oh, my God. I know. I know. No, no, no. Stay there. Stay in the car. We've got to check out some other stuff. And, and also, there's a lot of, like, like it, it's very Shakespearean in that no one knows what anyone looks like. So it's like, now I'm Lysander or whatever. It's like. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, the police arrived to check up on her with a prisoner in tow. Not knowing what Sarah looks like, the police take the woman's word that she is Sarah and everything is fine. As they are about to leave, the police realised the woman who answered the door was not pregnant and returned to the home. The first officer is stabbed to death with knitting needles as he attempts to arrest the attacker. The second is shot in the back of the... the so, so what happens here is he's like, turn around, I'm going to put cuffs on you. She takes an opportunity to just swiftly turn around and stab him in the neck. He doesn't have a chance to scream out. The other police officer goes upstairs to be like, are you okay? And then before she can answer, like doors open, before she can answer, half of his head is just blown off from behind by a gunshot. And she has to swiftly close the door again. Surely that door can't withstand gunfire. But remember, she doesn't want to kill her. She wants the baby. Yeah, okay. Right? The attacker turns off the power as the third enters, waiting until they go to turn it back on before shooting the officer and stabbing his prisoner in the head. Sarah confronts the woman, and both injure each other with various household appliances. Sarah manages to burn off half the woman's face with an aerosol container and a cigarette. The woman flees, and Sarah now has this moment where it's like, no one's going to save me, I have to do this myself. And so, when we said there were various appliances, there was a knife and, like, a broom handle, and she somehow attaches the two, and fashions herself this spear. Okay. And keep in mind, she's just burnt off half the intruder's face, and she's like, I'm going to go finish the job in this dark house. The woman flees, and after being cornered by Sarah, reveals that she was the other driver in the car accident which killed her unborn baby. She wants Sarah's baby as a replacement. Mm Mm-hmm. That, 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 yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. Before, <laughs> your mm-hmm says everything. Um, before anything else can happen or be said, the two are interrupted by the revival of the third police officer. Having been shot in close proximity sorry, by... Sorry, sorry, isn't, isn't, isn't the intruder supposed to be of an age to pass for the mother? Yeah. And didn't this car accident happen four months ago? Yeah. And would we not assume that the mother had, it was probably not of childbearing age and maybe, for example, in her mid-50s or early 60s? Well, no. Well, I mean, look, it's hard to tell and some people just look old and some people look young. You know how, like, teenagers in the 50s actually did look older? No, but Jean-Pierre was was confused. (laughs) Jean-Pierre, who's, like, the most attentive employer in the world, was like, ooh, yep, I believe that you're her mum. But Peach, people people can get pregnant much older. Like it is, there there are more trials, but it happens. And I think it's 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 probably more of her motivation, where she's probably like, "This was harder for me to become pregnant. Why did I lose my baby and you didn't? 
I'm now going to take yours as a replacement. So I'm just being ageist. I think it's probably my read on it. <laughs> you should feel more shame for that, mate. <laughs> Look, I've really got to work harder on my ageism. <laughs> now, this third officer who was shot point blank with his riot gun by the intruder survived the attack but is now disorientated and blinded. He confuses Sarah with her attacker and beats her in the stomach with his club, forcing her water to break. Like, why do men write these movies, Jay? This is, this is really, like, who's this, who fucking writes this? It was written by a couple of dudes, I think. Yeah. Like, yeah. So, the woman comes to Sarah's aid and brutally kills the officer. But Sarah, now lying on the stairs, has begun to give birth and the baby is stuck. Desperate to save her child, Sarah pleads for the now reluctant woman to do what she originally intended. Acquiescing to the plea, the woman tearfully performs a cesarean section on Sarah with the scissors, saving the infant but killing Sarah in the process. The woman, with half a face, then sits in a chair and begins rocking the baby, who briefly cries as she looks soulfully at Sarah, who lies dead on the steps. That is Inside. From 2007. Hated it. <clears throat> How did it make you feel, Shaq? I. I don't. Let me let, let, let me phrase this another extremely different way. All those years ago, when we kicked off this podcast, and you might have imagined what film we would do for our 150 years. <laughs> <laughs> How did you imagine that film would make you feel? <laughs> you know what? You know what? Like, the one mm. thing that I was weirdly glad about at the end of it was, like, mm. if this was a more shocking, if this was an Eli Roth, that baby yes. would not have survived. I think the one okay. thing, like, I know how horrific it all is, but I think the one thing I was, I was just glad that the baby survived at the end. Like that was the thing. But, but then I guess the second thing I'd like to say, and yes, this is our 150th episode and what a fucking roller coaster. <laughs> I just want to deeply say thank you for listening to this podcast. Like Peach and I make it cause we enjoy making it. Mm. I really hope you enjoy listening to it, but more than anything, I hope you feel like, you're our pals because you genuinely are. I think that's right. I mean, the DMs you get, you get shag and, and, and I get, like, it's just nice. It's just nice. It's really nice. Um, and so just a big thanks to everyone listening who follows us on TikTok. And anyone, <laughs> who, anyone who doesn't, you can fucking go jump. So awesome. Uh, this was recorded at FBI Studios. Please like, subscribe, and follow wherever you can and as much as you can. And Resh's, what's up? Peach here. This is something of an addendum to this week's episode. It was interesting. During it, Shag was so disarming with his honesty and his approach to life that it led me to think, yeah, I'm going to watch one of these horror films. It's going to be great. It's going to be easy. I've talked about 150 of them now. I get it. Uh, it's fine. And so um, I set aside some time because I formed the view of, oh, look, the thing standing in my way is I sort of procrastinate and I make excuses. I'm not going to watch it because it's late at night. I'm not going to watch it because I'm doing work. I'm not going to watch it because 
I'm spending time with, uh, you know, uh, my family or if it's in my own time, oh, I'm not going to watch it because I'm reading a book. Oh, I'm not going to watch it because I should sleep or oh, I'm not going to watch it because cricket is more fun. Um, and so I formed the view that I was like, great, today's the day, this afternoon's the afternoon, it's going to happen. And I'd set aside the time and I'd sort of even visualise where I was going to be and what I was going to be doing. And I popped on to Netflix because as if I'm going to use Shutter, am I right? And uh, just browsed through even just the posters for movies and my stomach dropped. And I got an involuntary burst of adrenaline and the anxiety just kicked in. So I am sending this voice memo before this time I've set aside to watch these films. At the moment, I'm definitely going to check it out. But let's just see if I can, I don't know, summon up some courage in the meantime. I'll keep you posted. So, I just watched The Babadook uh, start to finish, 1.5 speed, and I watched it on my phone in that way where you can minimize it down to a little screen in the corner, and I texted Shag as we went along, and I don't really know how to feel. Uh, It was magnificent. Um, It was true. Um, Yeah, look, I'm sort of disarmed because I'm wondering how much I learned about horror films, how much I learned about just the Babadook itself as a singular piece of art. And fuck, it sounds so corny, how much I learned about myself. <laughs> um, well, if horror films are that good, I'll, I'll watch another one. Uh, should we just do a quick uh, blood? It wasn't a lot of blood. So my spooked out friends, you can watch it for that reason. Jump scares, you can deal with them easy if you (laughs) minimize the screen (laughs) um, and text your friend during it. Um, But I'm sort of actually, you know, those experiences you've had 10 or 15 times in life where you leave a film. I know we shoot on films lightheartedly, but where you sort of feel a little bit changed. Um... So I'm not sure if this was the best film in some ways or or perhaps this has actually made it the perfect film. But um, 150 episodes, we did it. Uh, perhaps for episode 300, I'll watch another horror film. One of the management expressions I overuse is closing the loop. Let's just close the loop on that. We've opened the loop. Now let's just let's just close it. Let's go get um, Bruce Willis and a beautiful young man from Third Rock from the Sun, whose name escapes me, um, and we'll just close that loop. Um, and I watched a horror film the other day, and I'm still trying to process what that means for me and the podcast. And a lot of people on Instagram and in DMs have said really nice things and I feel like I need a more profound response. And what's interesting is that I don't really have one. I haven't been haunted by nightmares of the Babadook. It's two days after I watched it. Um, I'm not peering around the corner to see if the Babadook's um, there. 
I'm not freaking out about parenting stuff. Um, and frankly, I'm more just enjoying the fact that I watched a good movie. So it sort of leads me to a couple of um, reflections. I think reflection one is how much did I water down the jump scares by having it as a tiny little minimised bit on my phone and um, by playing it at 1.5 speed, right? And I think the answer must be <laughs> fucking heaps. <laughs> um, so there's a degree to which I quote, quote, cheated that I think Shag and I are going to have to discuss and debrief on. Um, but the most upsetting elements for me were um, the parenting ones. There's um, many parents who've seen The Babadook will know the um, chilling realism <laughs> of uh, some of the experiences that are gone through um, by um, our mum in the film. And so it's actually those chilling parenting moments um, and uh, the moments where um, grief is failed to be engaged with in an appropriate and healthy way that sort of sung out for me. And so it sort of led me to this position that I cheated and maybe the Babadook doesn't even count because maybe it's too good a film and maybe I watered down the jump scares. And so that's almost leading me to this view that, ugh, now I'm going to have to watch... I don't even know what the end of that sentence is. And what jumped into my head was maybe the new Nightmare on Elm Street, the rebooted one. But um, I think we're going to have to talk about it. And we're probably going to have to talk about it more. Uh, talking about stuff, what's up? Sorry, that just dropped out. As I meant to say, love you all. Uh, off to get some chocolate croissant. Making sure the hand brakes off. Hoping the cops don't see me talking into my phone when I'm driving. I love you. Bye. Thank you. Love you.